You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. Before we get started, I wanted to take a moment and let you know about Pipeline West. Yeah, that's right. You heard me. We are going to sunny Orange County, California, February 22 to 23. We're going to be having our main day event with speakers like Terry Newhoff, Albert Tate, Eric Geiger, Tom Rayner, and many more. The next day, we'll be then having a full day of coaching to help you learn and implement Pipeline at your church. So be sure to register before October 31st for our super early bird rates and bring your family. Let's hang out at the beach, at the conference. It's going to be great. Hey, welcome to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. I am one of the hosts, Eric Geiger, and I'm here with two good friends, Todd Atkins what? and Daniel. Hello, hello. And we are going to talk today about adding a worship service. And by adding a worship service, what I mean is adding an additional worship service time. So if you currently right. have a 930 worship service and you're thinking about adding a second worship service or a third, a third and a fourth. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. I think that it's pretty well, pretty commonly understood that adding a second is a pretty easy decision in terms of the time. Right. So if you have a 930 service, you're going to add a service at 11. It gets more challenging when you are adding a third service. That's brutal. Do you do three in the morning? Do you add a Saturday night? Do you add a Sunday night? So we'll talk a little bit about that. But first, we want to get into some of the foundational questions, meaning if you only have one, when do you add a second? Those kinds of things. So very important. Adding a worship service is an important topic. So five questions on it. The first one is, how do you know when to add a new worship service? I'll give you the the classic answer is when you're 80% full or more because people won't come if it's more than 80% full. Um, because at 80% full, it looks full. It does. It looks no one and feels... It right looks and feels week. full. Yeah. If you're 80% full, more than likely your ushers and pastors and everybody are like... Everyone Don't even count anymore. Just use the fire marshal yeah. number. It's like, completely full. Let's all move full. to the center. Let's so, not leave so any it's, gaps. It's so interesting in in my years of of ministry and of pastoring and now being being at, in this role at Lifeway. I hear I've heard different viewpoints on that. Mm. So there there is a viewpoint that I heard Rick Warren say one time: the only people who love a full room are preachers. <laughs> we're, we're the ones on the stage. We love the energy of a full room, but that the, the people in the audience, it can feel overwhelming, you know, exiting, going to the, to the bathroom, all of that is, is, feels just full at 80%. So add another service. However, there's other people that I've met with that have said they believe, I mean, they, you can even tell when they'll Instagram pictures of their church, they like it feeling full. They like it being a long, even a long line to get into the service. It's and the even, fellowship of excitement. And even turning people away yeah. because it builds this pent up demand. So there's there's really different viewpoints on on that aspect, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I guess you'd want to land on, you know, do, are, do we want it to be perpetually full or do we care that it that it feels like there is space for you? You know, there's different viewpoints there. Yeah, because there's that whole aspect of momentum, right? right? How do you keep the momentum going? And I guess one of the one of the, I mean, there are some people who say, "Hey, start another service when you're at eighty percent," but then the response is going to be, "Well, then you're going to have two services that are half full." Yeah. Right. So how real, do you respond I'm, to that? I'm gonna get real pra- practical on that answer, and this this goes back to to my time in 
in Miami. So I served as executive pastor at Christ Fellowship for eight years. During that time, the church grew from, I don't know, 11 or 1,200 to seven, 8,000. And so we had two worship services. And then when I left, five campuses, probably, I don't know. I didn't realize that was the growth during that time. It was insane. Yeah, That's it, was a, it was yeah. a fun run. It's insane. Uh, so we, I don't know, 15 or so services a week. Uh, at, at, so from two to 15. So we, a, lot, a lot of different services, of course, spread out across multiple campuses. And so when, when we added services, here's what I learned. It's not only about the big room. It's not only about mm. what the what the, the attendance is in your worship service. There's really three three things you must watch. Parking. Mm. Amen. Kids kid space yeah. and the worship service. Yeah. In other words, you can have a, an imbalanced campus. You could have a you could have um completely only you would feel like tons of room in the worship center or the auditorium or the what, whatever it is you call that room. And yet if you're full of on parking, you're full. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter. that you have yeah. uh, a tons of tons of seats. So you really have to watch all three of those as you're considering if you're full. And then an intangible of that is how it feels in between services. So if you're like, oh, we got plenty of parking, but you end your first service 12 minutes before your second service starts, you don't have plenty of You parking. don't. You have to watch the flow at the critical hours. And people feel like chattel. At the at the, at the critical moments. You're so, chattel? Push, pushing them out the door. Yeah. Chattel? So I think the answer to that question is, num- the answer to question number one, how do you know when to add a new service? <laughs> it's when any of those three yeah. feel chaotic past the point you want them to feel chaotic. You may be the person, you may be the church leader who says, I love that. I like feeling like this is a pinup demand place. However, if, you, if you're of the mindset, no, I want to send the signal that there's always space here for you, then you need to add a new service when any of those three levels, kid space, worship service space, parking is 80 plus percent full, it's time to add a service. Yeah, I love that. I love those three factors. I guess the one thing that we're assuming is that it's better to add a service than build a bigger auditorium, or it's better to add a service than to move if you have rented space, right? Those are some of the assumptions in even this whole podcast. That that's a that's a that's a great assumption. Of course, theologically, there there are some that would say, hey, the church should it's only whoever's in in the room. So yeah, I'm assuming that that. You're right. That's a, an assumption that adding another worship service is a wise stewardship and not an unbiblical approach to ministry. Mm-hmm. And so, which is where I would be, that it's it's good stewardship, not not an unbiblical approach to ministry to add a second, third, fourth worship service. But what about those people who say, "But I I, I want everyone to stick together. I don't I don't want people to." to feel like they're in a different church yep. as someone else. So I just want to build a bigger auditorium or I just want to bigger, you know, yep. get to a bigger it's, venue. It's, okay. So, uh, that is the word. Yeah. Cause I made sure I looked it up. <laughs> Chattel. It's a personal piece of property. Bro, you cannot talk to Daniel that way. <laughs> I'm not trying to talk to Daniel that way. I'm saying that's what you're treating people like. You're ushering them I in just and got out. That. <laughs> You're ushering them in and out. You're, you're, it's not about the person anymore. It's not personal. It is how fast can I flip this place? How fast can I flip the parking lot? Um, and we, so uh, 
first campus uh, we launched went really well and it was, you know, in overflow and we tried to go to services, but it was on a Monday night. And so it was already late. And then we tried to go to thinking, well, most of these, most of these people are, are, you know, young DC, single hipster people. They'll stay. And what would happen is when the first service would let out, um, we were, we were, just trying to flip the place so quickly that we actually created, you know, like it was just a one way you couldn't get in the place because yeah. so many people were getting out yeah. and the people that were going out, where were they going? They were going out now. They were going out to eat yeah. and they would run into their friends and their friends would then go out to eat <laughs> instead of coming to church. <laughs> it's like, where are you going? Oh man! Oh, that's a good dynamic. Yeah, I want to go do. That's, yeah, that's um, true. But yeah, we we basically it, it became our uh, the process of dumping everything, be, it, dumping the service, dumping. Sorry, it sounds horrible, but dumping the parking lot. You know, it 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 treated. It was about the process and not the people. Like the the people became for our process of of you know, the mechanisms of the church versus the process being there to serve the people, the process yeah. being there to serve the people. That's good. Yeah. Awesome. So let's get to the second question then. How do you sell the vision? So uh, assumptions aside, yep. yes, let's add another service instead of moving or any of that. How do you sell the vision from, you know, let's say, let's just, let's just say from, uh, we have one worship service right now, everyone's all together. Mm -hmm. How do you sell the vision of we're going to two or we're going to, we're going to three. But in this follows a little bit back on your, your question of, Assuming that you are biblically okay, theologically yeah. okay, you believe it's it's not a contradiction in, of your ecclesiology to have a second service, then the reality is you say to people, to those people who say, we, uh, I feel like we're going to be divided, we're not going to uh, be able to see everybody, you only hang out with 30 to 40 people anyway. Yeah, that's the reality. Once the church grows past that size, I, I think I heard someone say it's sixty is the magic number. That once you grow past that, you're past the ability to have conversations and talk to everyone anyway. And so, uh, once you're past sixty, then you can have as many services from a from a psychological standpoint to an individual the number of relationships that it can have. Um, it's it's not that it's not that different. So, to, to them, I, you don't have to like drop the stat, but you would just say, "Listen, the reality is, um, we we already have grown past the size where we have close relationships with everybody, and mm -hmm. so having uh, another worship service is going to allow us to minister to and to serve people more effectively. And that's why we're here. The Lord Lord put us here as a church to to, to serve in this community he, by His Providence, he has us here, and so we want to add another worship service that's going to allow us to to serve people um, more 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 easily. Yeah, it's easier when you already you mentioned the momentum earlier. Mm -hmm. When it's and that's why some say, "Hey, build the pent up demand," because then uh, when it when it feels as if it's already full, you're not having to do a lot of uh, selling, quote unquote, of the vision because it's so clear. You need to add another worship service. It is more challenging when you still have space and you're trying to add a service. One time in Miami, we added our Saturday night, which became extremely critical because we ended up using video capture from Saturday night to launch campuses. But we actually had space still at nine o'clock in the morning. Why would we add a Saturday night? And so for us, the heartbeat, and we had, and we we communicated this is it was like 30, 35% of people in Miami worked on Sundays. 
Wow. And so they were, it was, it, we wanted to reach those people. We wanted to serve yeah. those people. Yeah. What I loved about the way that you posed how we should cast the vision for this is that you addressed one of the common objections first, you know, Oh, but we're, we're one family, we're one church. I'm not right. going to be able to see everyone. And, and in the last podcast we did together, the one that we did on quick hitters, the one that I was listening to is, um, never split the difference, the art of negotiation. And one of the things he actually says well, you is, accused me of negotiating with no, 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 he, no, he says <laughs> one of the best things to do is actually address what the other person's, mm-hmm. Uh, what what their concern is going to yeah. be or, or, you know, how they're going to actually come back, actually address it first, verbalize it, because then it disarms them. That's good. Right. So you're disarming that as you're casting the vision and then you're not saying, hey, and we're out of space. So right. we just got to, you know, the whole chattel thing that Todd was talking yeah. about. You really cast that vision of, hey, this is why we're going to reach totally. people. Yeah. And even just the whole story of 35 percent of the people don't, <laughs> you know, they work on Sunday. So let's in their current job. Yeah, you, exactly. Unless you expect people to quit jobs who are not yet Christian so they can come and yeah, check no. out the church. <laughs> That's good. I like that. It was uh, it was Dunbar's number. Uh, is what we were thinking about earlier with how many people you can have in your social network. There's like a couple of different layers layers to it. But if you remember, I was trying to, at one point in time, a few years back, there was a social media platform that that had a maximum of 150. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember what the name of it was because it died. (laughs) Because even though you don't really have more than 150 friends, Facebook tells you you have hundreds. (laughs) And you (laughs) like it. Loves you. Unless you're Todd Adkins, then you have hundreds of thousands of friends. Yeah. From all over the world. You've got to be <laughs> you people. All right. Question three. All right. What are the complexities of adding a new service? So when you go from one to two, I know it feels complex, but the complexities <laughs> just start to get more. From, this is coming from a guy who added a bunch of those. Going from one to two, it is a move. And and for the people in that church, it's going to feel like a mammoth move. So culturally speaking, that's going to feel huge going from one to two. However, from a practical move, it gets much more difficult after two. Yeah, because you could just have your worship team just do the same set. But but cultural for a church, it's it's always been, hey, we're all together. Cultural move from one to two is huge. But practical move from two to three becomes, Hmm. when is it? It becomes wear and tear on staff. It becomes— Volunteers? Yeah. Okay, so if your third is not stacked, meaning it's not like 8.30, 10, and 11.30, but your third is on a Saturday night or your third is on a Sunday night, huge complexity is, okay, people have to come to worship service a whole different time. They can't serve one hour or worship one hour. One of the beautiful things of two Two. stacked is people can— they can do two things. They can go to a group one hour. They can go to a worship service one hour. They can go to they can serve in the kids area and then go to worship. When you choose a third service that is orphaned from the from the two, whether it's Saturday night or Sunday night, that is a huge huge complexity. Which is why some churches try to go ahead and go go the, the three stacked together. But then, which is what what I've, I've done three stacked together. Uh, so and, like eight. I would avoid three stacked together at all costs. I've done three. So two of the three I mean, I've done it in every church, but it's brutal. I wait as long as possible for that one. Okay, so <laughs> I, I'm going to disagree with you on one thing. All right. Um, I, always, I say wait as long as possible and start in a service period. But when you start a third, would you go Saturday night before you'd go to three on Sunday? Yes. You would? Yes. All right, I'm going to give you some history. 
I, did, I went yes. So we started in Miami Saturday night before we started the third Sunday. The the growth of the third Sunday, even though I thought it was a crazy time, twelve thirty. Mm-hmm. The growth of the third Sunday was faster than the, we had to work really hard to get momentum on Saturday night, and and it was hard. It was definitely hard, harder on the volunteers. The reason we did though was because the vision of reaching those people. Yeah. And we know we needed to have a Saturday night as we were launching new campuses. But if you just were on a single campus, I think a third Sunday is easier than a Saturday night. I'm going to give you why. I'm telling you, I've thought about this. This It's easier. This is going to be helpful for somebody. It is going to be helpful for somebody. I just did a Skype interview with a church that are looking at adding a fourth service. And they were even, they were, and they are at currently three Sundays. I've uh, been teaching pastor at a church when I first moved here. New Vision in Murfreesboro that does three Sunday. I was interim pastor at Inglewood Baptist in Jackson, Tennessee, three Sunday. So I've th- seen three Sunday work. But it's, and what were those typical times right. if it's for three Sunday? Uh, I think Inglewood in Jackson, Tennessee is is it's early, but but it's the, the crowd. I mean, they were there. Eight, I think it's eight, nine thirty, and eleven. Do they there. have child care and everything? All services. Todd, you are, have not been a good executive pastor. You do not call it child care. Whatever. You call At 8.15 in the morning, you call it child no, care. you call it children's ministry. We're, 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 we're just stifling these kids. So, uh, yes, they to do it well, you have to have a full programming. Mm-hmm. So, yes, full programming. Uh, New Vision is like 8.20, uh, 9.40, and 11. Okay. It's, um, I think that those are the times. Three on Sunday morning as opposed to two on Sunday morning and one on Saturday night allow easier for people to volunteer because because it's still two back-to-back for them. They don't stay for all three. It's still two back-to-back for them. And for the staff, for the worship team, man, they're they're done. They're going home. They weren't there the night before. Um, For the preacher, it's uh, it's, it's three. And the guy who preaches, three is, is, I'll say this, three is twice as hard as two. Twice as hard. It's not 33%. It is Double. It is double. Three is mind-numbing. I'm telling you, four, I've done four back-to-back. I, in Miami, we had three at one campus live, and then I would drive and do another campus live, four back-to-back. This is before – this is like pre-kids. And I would get home in the afternoon about 2.30, eat like something barely, stumble to the couch, and yeah. I mean I was toast – toast. Yeah, this is a good discussion. I would, I would say you just got to watch two things and I'll be done because I am i won't um, be... You're giving up. You're tapping out in the arm. I'm, I'm going to give up. You're yeah. tapping out. You're ta- you, so are you saying that, that... I'm saying just watch your parking and just watch your pre-K. Parking and pre-K. And be sure that if you go three stacked together on a Sunday morning, you count the cost. Yeah, and counting the cost, I think the what you brought up earlier, Eric, about the staff... And the preacher and the implications of adding a Saturday versus a third on Sunday are huge in terms of weekly rhythm, right? So you got some guys who are, who Friday's their day off or Monday's their day off, or they'll do stuff on, on Sunday or, or, you know, Saturday, for example. But once you add a Saturday night service, you're right. What are you going to do? You now, instead of preaching for the first time Sunday morning, because I don't know what you do, Eric, but I, I typically finish my message uh, and I preach every other week and 
I'll finish my message Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and then I won't look at it again until Sunday morning. Like I'll wake up early Sunday morning and I'll just kind of pray through, work through and get ready. And then I'll preach out at my, our two campuses. But I, I like not having to look at it on Saturday. I just kind of like giving myself some, some time to breathe. But when I, at my previous church, when I would preach on Saturday night and then I'd preach on Sunday, well, Saturday was shot. Yep. Because it's just, it's, it's just in your mind, yes. right? You're just like, you're just thinking about it. Even if you're not sitting down and, yeah. and reading and preparing, it's just there. Was your whole Saturday shot or about noon? Yeah. 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 My it Saturday was, morning, mornings were fine. It was about, it was about at noon or one. I just felt like my mind was going, going straight to away from home life and yeah. straight to the. Totally. Like, am I ready? Let's work through this. And yeah. yeah. So good deal. Todd, you haven't, you haven't preached. So you, that, so you, so you, you don't know what nope. Daniel and I are talking about. Nope. You're looking at us like we're idiots. It's a real thing, bro. It is a real thing. Mm-hmm. He doesn't believe us. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. So those are, those are complexities. That's why we have a yeah, coffee those, shop. Those are complexities. So let me, let me, let me give, it, <laughs> as you think about when the service time is, just a couple thoughts. Yeah. Ask yourself as a team as you make the decision: What service time is going to be easier for, for us to recruit volunteers? Mm. What service time is going to be easiest for us to move people to groups? Yeah. What service time is going to give us the the greatest momentum as we launch? What service time is best for staff sustainability? What service time is easiest on the speaker? So I just gave you five. And so what you do is, I think, as you make a decision, you force rank those. You may say, hey, for us, staff sustainability, that's going to be top of the list. Well, then that's going to, as you force rank the the considerations, that's going to help you make a decision. Yeah, that's good. I like that. All right. The fourth question is, what's a good timeline? Good question. (laughs) Um, I would say I would go Sunday night over Saturday night if I didn't already have a service on Sunday night. I, and I was at. Are you talking service. about the fourth? I'm talking the about service. the third or fourth. Now, third or fourth. Say, I would say. Are you saying, or are you are you saying you would say that you would one day possibly say? <laughs> no, I'm saying. Oh, okay. I'm you, saying I'd rather do a Sunday night service than a Saturday night service. But would they be? But would they be identical? Yes. Oh, yeah. We're definitely talking identical. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's another one of our assumptions. Every service you add is identical. Very good. Well, it's good to point out. We're not speaking about if you have a Sunday night service that's currently different, which which yeah, uh, some do. churches do, and 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 and, the, and for good reasons. They they're like, hey, this is what we're going to accomplish in this service. Alistair Begg spent time with him. He has a Sunday night service, and he 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 calls that. He said that is the that is really his church. I mean, he loves okay. Sunday night. So different. So he preaches two different, different messages. Two different okay. messages. So I mean, he's got a great reason for Sunday night. When we're talking about adding a service, we're assuming you're. And, and Sunday night's an option that you don't currently have a service on Sunday night, and you would add the uh, the same message, the same yep. format to Sunday night. Yeah. Now, before we get to that next question, then we're we're talking about complexities, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say we do a let's say the third or the fourth service is not stacked, right? It's not an hour apart from the other ones. Yes. What do you What are your guys' thoughts on worship team? Yeah, on worship team and the worship set. Should it be, you know, one worship team all weekend, you know, and they're doing it uh, twice? Could be strategic. Different, leave, different teams? Up, I leave it up to, the, to okay. the worship leader, the worship director, worship pastor, whatever yeah. whatever the title is. I have heard guys say it's easier to to have the same team the whole weekend, and then they just give them more more weekends off. I personally have not led, so I don't, I, I, it'd be hard for me to answer. Yeah. Todd? Multiple teams. 
Todd says multiple things. So you say if 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 there's a three or four hour gap or a day gap, you you advocate for a different team altogether, a different worship team, right? Because in our situation, um, I didn't like. I, I'm not going to hire my worship team. I want my team to be you know from the church. And in that instance, it's hard to ask volunteers to give up. I mean, if you're doing an evening service. Yeah. Well, you're getting there two, three hours before. Totally. Preparing. And then in the morning, you don't have to prepare, but then you're cold. Right. So you still have to do some sort of warm up. Yeah, you're right. All right. So next question, what's a good timeline? So yes, I I agree with you, Eric, Todd, Daniel, I agree. Let's let's do another service. Yeah. How many days should I give myself? Is it 90 days, six yeah. months? You know, what do you guys think? All right. So this goes back to the first question. If you are the person who loves the the pinup demand, and you're so you're you you think about that as a church, you're like a hundred percent capacity. You have you have let it build up to that. You're not going to need a lot of time. Mm. You can you can say, yeah. hey, we're launching this service. Everyone sees the need; they feel the need. Yeah, and and yeah. also you you have lived with people waiting in line to get in the church. You've turned people away. You have ushers finding single seats to seat people. Married couples who show up five minutes before the service have to be divided up so they can all sit down. There's churches that do that. I mean, that's kind of Passion City. When yeah. I when I went there, it was really it's like it that. was hard. Like we had to get there early. Right. So <laughs> if, so they, they don't need a ton of ramp up time. Yeah. Because they've built a culture mm. of pinup demand around that service. However, for most of us, I've never lived in that. Yeah. For most of us, it's going to be more. more uh, there's not that crazy mm. demand of people waiting out line to get in church. So, I would say you want to you want to build essentially a launch team. You want to ask for a commitment of people totally. ahead of time. So that's what we typically did. Um, hey, we're launching a new service. We're looking for some families who will commit to move to go over there. We're looking for some 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 key volunteers to help us launch this service. And you kind of build a kind of build out a launch team. And that doesn't have to be a six month process. Yeah. It depends on how quickly you can run. It's a you know, sixty day process, ninety day process. Um, yeah. And you're going to have people, if you're the lead pastor and you share that from the pulpit, you're going to have people who write there and then, you know, they hear the vision and they're like, okay, sign me up, let's go. But I don't think you can fully rely on that pulpit call to gather that launch team. No, you You need to have, you're going to have to do, you're going to have to have uh, key people. It's shoulder to shoulder, eye to eye. It's knee to knee. Ground, ground game, not just, totally, not just air game, throwing out an announcement. Mm. Well, and two, that's why it's really helpful to know your people, where they're serving, where they live, where their small groups are, all of that. If you've got that information, then you can really know who to ask. Because in some instances, we had um, members of our launch team that we knew they're not going to, this is not their long term place, but we're going to ask them to do this for this period of time. And we know they'll go with us. Why? Because they're the best person. They're like the poster child, you know, usher lead. Yeah. So I've got to have this person because they're going to set the standard and the culture of what that service will become um, and the type of volunteers we want. So it was, Hey man, I'm going to need you for a year in here, can you switch services for a year? Yeah, and I'd really look at it at it from a funnel funnel approach. So yes, from the pulpit, you're announcing it. But if you can gather, if you have a leadership pipeline in place and you have your leaders 
set apart, your leaders of leaders identified. You can either actually gather them together and pitch them the vision of, hey, this is, so you get, you have, if it's the leaders of leaders in the group's ministry, the leaders of leaders and the leaders in the kids' ministry, bring them all together and just share the vision, have that ministry director share the vision of what we need to do. And, and then also after you do that, then go and do the shoulder taps as well. I don't think you can rely just on one of those, one of those methods. So I'll also say, um, look at strategic times of year. So occasionally I'm trying to think in my history, I've done a couple Easter's, um, I did one January that worked. I did a couple, uh, like September or fall ones. Yeah, fall launches are good. And, um, and they, they worked. Yeah. I, so people ask, Hey, when not to do not give yourself <laughs> enough runway before summer. Not Memorial day. Oh gosh. No, Which no. I've actually done. <laughs> that was I've opened there. a campus on Memorial day. Oh gosh. Ask Michael Kelsey. He had so, 60 days to hey, do it. He's still there. He so, is still there. MoCo. He's representing right now. I would say, you know, conventional wisdom would say, and obviously the spirit can lead against this, but to give yourself enough time pre-summer to have built something before yeah. you hit summer. Yeah. And one of the ways you can test whether or not a multi multiple service will work, another service will work and, and help your congregation, I guess, taste it and see and feel what it looks like is on Christmas Eve on Easter, you know, to actually say, Hey, I know we're one service, but we're going to do two services on Easter. Or if we are at two services, we're going to add a third service. And then people can actually feel yeah. what that looks like. Hey guys, didn't that feel great? Yeah. Yeah. And then you can get that momentum built. Yeah. That's right. good. Cause but we're going to do it. After you do that a couple times, they, they know, they yeah. know you're hey guys. Oh gosh. Here's our Christmas service time. That means. Did he say that was great? That, uh, mean, that means in three months, that's our new service yeah. time. All right. All right. All right. I'm going to ask the last question. Cause I don't think I've asked a question yet. And this is one of my favorites. When do you go multi-site instead of adding another service? Boom. Go. This is neat because we all have experience in multi-site mm -hmm. and- But only I, you in like Korea and Canada. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We have but no international. Those don't count, I, I don't understand. I don't understand no, saying. I'm saying international is cool. You did yeah. Miami, which is- Miami's pretty international. Kind of international. Yeah. yeah. I did DC, which is kind of international. Well, yeah, I mean, we're all global cities. Yeah. So, right, go, so go for it. I would say really, you got to look at, we've talked about this. I mean, this has been such a great podcast because although we have these five questions, we've been going back and forth on the See, complexities and nuances hubris as well. and all this. So what I love about this question is we've already kind of answered it. Right. And, and already I, have. yeah. And, and I, I say that because when you do a survey, not only in terms of your parking lot, your kids ministry, how full your worship service is, but you also look at, Hey, where, where does everyone live? Uh, I think that's one of the first steps that you need to make before you, the first steps that you need to do before you can determine, Hey, should we add another service here or should we possibly do a campus or, and I'll add a church plant. Like, let's say you have, Oh, <laughs> did you see what he just did there? Well, come on, new churches. I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's great too. I represent both. So, so at the church I was previously at, we had probably our city was a million and we had about 50, there was a 50,000 person city, uh, just 20 minutes east of us. And there were a ton of great churches there, but we had, when I ran the numbers, we had about 600 families that came, that lived there, that came to our 
that made the 20 to 30 minute drive on the sun on, on our weekend to come to our service. So that was, I mean, you just do the math there and we say, saw the same thing in the South. So that's where we started a campus there, but just being able to plot out where everyone lives is going to give you a lot of good insight. what you got? So I, my answers has surprised people at times on this. <clears throat> if your goal is only about, and I'm, this is going to sound like I'm saying it's a shallow goal, but if your goal is only about attendance, add more services, don't go multi-campuses, don't add another site. Hmm. Uh, and, and I, but I, I'm saying that you could have a, a, a godly goal of attendance. I mean, it could be, hey, we, there's more people. We just want to reach more people. You will reach more people faster and spending less money by just adding more services at your current right. at your current facility. Multiple campuses needs to be about long term impact in a part an area of the community that you're not currently in. Uh, but in the short run, it's, you're not. I, listen, I, I our, the church I was at, we grew a, a lot and we grew a lot through multiple campuses, but. That it is a it's an investment. You're investing to here's an area of the city or an area of the county that we aren't currently in, and we really sense the Lord is leading us to this part of our region or of our city, and we're going to invest here. And it's it's gonna it's an it's an it's an investment that has a longer term impact and longer term return than you know a, a, an attendance bump. It's it's yeah. it's it's a longer commitment. And what's super important is I, I've, I've met a lot of, with the work I do with, on, on new churches, I've met a lot of churches that have two sites and they did it because of maybe listening to a podcast like this or they you know, they saw a huge uh, portion of their congregation in a certain area of their city. So they start another campus, not realizing and recognizing the impact and, and just, just not having figured out their strategy, not having figured out their leadership pipeline, their discipleship pathway, their values, and they just kind of hire someone from the outside and say, Hey, you go start mm. that campus. And yeah. it's just a mess because they haven't done the hard work of really looking inward and saying, okay, who are we as a church? Yeah. I mean, if you want to go fast, Eric's right. You go, you just go for another service. Mm-hmm. Now at um, some point you've, you've, you've exhausted the totally. times at, the, at, at that campus. <clears throat> yeah. You know, if you've got three in the morning, two at night, you, at some point you, you are exhausting what what some would refer to as the optimal inviting times. Yeah. Meaning times when people, regular people will go to church when they're invited. Uh, and so once those are exhausted, I mean, you, unless you are going to try to just change the whole, the rules of the game in your community yeah. and have a Tuesday night service and a Thursday night service, you're going to need to go multiple campuses or plant, plant, plant churches. Yeah. For, for us, it was, uh, it was zoning. Like they wouldn't let us build any more parking. Um, or build onto our facility. Mm-hmm. So even though we had the land to do it, it, it just wasn't a um, positive environment in order to do that. So it kind of forced our hands. And yeah, just sprawl out, yeah. man. <laughs> no zoning. <laughs> zoning. It's zoning. awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say, and, and two, you know, due to some survey work and different things, we found out the importance of groups and spiritual maturity, and the further people are from your church, the further they are from true biblical community. So we were like, hey, let's try to fix some of that too. Like, we don't want you to have to commute to community. That's good. I, 
you've been listening to the Five Leadership Questions podcast, please go on iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Thanks for listening to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. Be sure to join us in California this February for Pipeline West. If you register you and your team soon, then you can take advantage of the super early bird pricing. Once again, that's myleadershippipeline.com. We'll see you there.